maintain this love in terms of my neighbors? And so Jesus says, time for a story. Jesus breaks out stories all the time. He says, time for a story, because stories are powerful. He says, there's a man who is beaten. This thief was beaten. He's wounded, and he's lying there in need. And you know what happened? Someone came by. A priest came by. And then a Levite. And when you're listening to the story, you're like, oh, good. He's going to get some help. A priest is coming by. Who better? Who better? A Levite. Someone religious. Great. Someone who goes to church. Oh, it's going to be good. Someone in our community is hurting right now. And the, here comes the church people. They're walking by. Oh, this is going to be some good ministry. Can't wait to see how they help and heal right here. And then you get excited. And then you read this phrase. And they stayed on the other side of the street. Oh, I think they missed it. Here comes another one. Oh, it's going to be some healing in our city. It's going to be some great things in our community. And they go by the other side of the street. And you're, you're listening to a story like religious people on the other side. What are you doing on the other side? There's nothing happening on the other side. And then here comes a Samaritan. And everyone looks down on the Samaritan. It's like, oh, this isn't going to be good. And the Samaritan goes over and not only takes care of bandaging the wounds, but then says, come on. Get on my donkey, rides to the inn, a night at the inn. It's not going to be enough, really. There's a greater need. So then more nights at the inn. And you know what? Whatever extra expenses there are, put them on my account and look after this one. You know what was offered more than time and more than money? Relationship. You know what's more valuable than time and money? Relationship. Time and money are precious, but relationship was offered. And Jesus is saying, the religious people, they're not offering the relationship. And they're staying on the other side. And this is where I am. I'm in the relationship. And I step back from that because Jesus, at the end of the parable, says, go and do likewise. He doesn't say memorize the parable, rate the parable. He just says, go and do Likewise, And I stepped back from that. I started reflecting on that this week. You ever reflect on the Bible? You just read a passage, it just hits you. You say, oh, what does that look like? What are the implications for us? And you know what I started to think about in terms of following Jesus? I thought about years in the church and how many people love a Jesus that is doctrinal. And Jesus is doctrinal. In that second John, we need a doctrinal Jesus and they love that part of following Jesus, the doctrine. And then they also love a moral Jesus. And we need morality. We need morality in our culture. We really do. <laughs> so uh, there's a need there. There's a good affiliation there. There's a good um, you know, devotion there. And I see that people love a doctrinal Jesus and they love a moral Jesus. And a lot of people stop at that point and say, you know what, my doctrine is so solid. And then they get to the morals and they say, I don't get drunk. And, and they think, you know, I don't swear and I don't do porn. And they're feeling really good about themselves. And then there's this other part that gets neglected. And this is the relational Jesus. And the ones who are like, yes, I got doctrinal Jesus and I think I'm really doing moral Jesus, Relationally, does your life look like Jesus? Like, are you in those relationships? Do you bring that love? Do you connect with people and serve people? And there's prayers and tears 
in healing and they come to know God, that's relational Jesus. And I think we've shrunk relational Jesus because that's the most challenging. And so often we've gone, I've got doctrinal Jesus and moral Jesus and I'm feeling pretty good about following Jesus. And I kind of think, what about relational Jesus? Is anyone living like that? Well, the only way we can is if we abide. The only way we can is with the Holy Spirit. I just present that tension to then increase a desire that God would fill us with the Spirit during the week. And we would bring a hospitality that's just different than what the world offers. And we would abide with Jesus, and our homes would come alive, and the church would come alive, and there'd be an overflow that goes into the streets. But it's really hard to do that if your soul is not abiding with Jesus, because it takes Jesus to talk and act like Jesus. This isn't a list. I just didn't raise the bar so that we're going to try to jump over it this week. No, we're going to say, I could never get there. Say, Jesus, come and take over so I can love people like you love people. And my home would glorify you. Hospitality is the evidence of abiding. And uh, we, I want to show a picture. We had something unique, never happened before in our neighborhood, where there was kind of a widespread block party. And I'd like to say that some Christians prayed and some Christians planned, but no, it was just a group of people that thought, we need to get to know each other. And I took one picture, and it, like the light bulb went on. This is a pastor light bulb. This could be an illustration. I got one picture. I got one picture. Because uh, I thought this fits in the third John. And um, just people everywhere gathered in a park. You know what they handed out? This diagram of the neighborhood with 115 homes. Because 115 families were invited and just gathered in a park. And then as you met people, you could write down their names. So that literally you, you came home at the end of the night. There were some giveaway prizes or some food. It was fun. But you came home at the end of the night, and anyone you met, you could just put them on your little map and write down their names. And I thought, wow, 115 homes in our greater neighborhood. And you know what I kind of realized? My score out of 115 was pretty small. It's gotten better during COVID, but out of 115 homes in our greater neighborhood, in my community, my immediate community, the number of people that I could name was pretty small. And it struck me, how do you love your neighbors if you don't know your neighbors? Hmm. Seems like maybe knowing your neighbors <laughs> precedes loving your neighbors. But then it's interesting because the two greatest commandments, it's like love your neighbor as yourself. So it seems like kind of a big deal. But in our culture, we're so, sociologists would say that we are extremely isolated. We are extremely lonely. And we are extremely self-consumed. Sociologists would say that about our culture by observation. So in this passage, we're really, this is a vision of going very countercultural. This is very stretching. I'm not getting legalistic. I'm not saying you have to know 150 names and I'm going to quiz you. I'm not saying that. But I'm, it was like one of those like, wow, yeah, how do I love my neighbors if I don't know my neighbors? And when you abide with Jesus, you bring hospitality with you. Wherever there's a gathering, you live, work, learn, or play, you bring it with you. This leads to this third one. And it's honoring God includes learning how to be part of the solution. We don't want to be part of the problem, <laughs> diatrophies. We want to be part of the solution. 
So let's take a look at how this ends. Verse 12, we've got a third person, Demetrius. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon as we will talk face to face. Same phrase as the last letter, face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Demetrius sets an example. Do you have an example of someone who's just really brought hospitality to your life? I can think of when I lived in Scotland and I was so lonely and hospitality meant so much. Same in Zimbabwe. The same when I went off to college. The same when I ever moved to a new city. It's like there's somebody that just opens up their home and their love and their food and their food and their food. And there's just, there's a lot of hospitality. Uh, what, what we see here with Demetrius is, yes, he's got truth. John says that. Yes, he's got doctrine, morals. John says that. But his life bears a report. That's why we see testimony. Verse 3, verse 6, verse 12, testimony. His life bears a report. And people see this. They say kind words about him because he brings hospitality. And my prayer is that there would be so much hospitality at Grace because we have a multi-generational church. And to be honest, that can get kind of rare. If everyone's Heels dug into their preferences. You see churches that are young, you see churches that are old, but there can be difficulties in keeping together a really balanced multi-generational church. Our church, so exciting, is looking more like having a neighborhood all the time. But, you know, can we really unite deeply when there's different nations and ethnicities? I totally think we can. I think we are. I think it's exciting what's happening here. Uh, we're going to need to abide to continue to do that. But that's my prayer for our church. People coming to our church, more and more coming who don't know Jesus. That is so exciting that people would come and just feel loved here and learn about God here and online. So many people looking in who don't know Jesus. That's exciting that it would be an environment like that where there's hospitality and much more than one event on Saturday, even though the events are exciting, they can be a catalyst. Uh, it's the verb tense here. It's, it's continual. It's not like Demetrius, oh, I'm hospitable on Saturdays and I'm hospitable if those people come over, but no, 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 no. It's not like that. Oh, that's right. That one big event. We do it twice a year. Got to be hospitable. Got to go out and serve. No, they carry a lifestyle. The verb tends, it's just hospitality wherever you go. That's the picture. I, I thought it was powerful what we watched with John's story of going to a college where there are so many deaf students and students hard of hearing. And did you listen to what he shared? We have someone in our neighborhood who is deaf. And I often wonder, as I'm around them, what that would be like to be deaf 24-7. And my heart just goes out because we're having these conversations and the person's there and they can't hear any of it. And they hang in there and sometimes we'll text to that person and sometimes one person might know a little sign language, but could you imagine not being able to hear conversations. And then what broke my heart on the video is that you have people who are deaf coming to church and they're treated second rate and they're told the reason you're deaf is because you don't have enough faith. Wow. Just imagine the deep scars that would bring. The reason you're not healed is because you don't have enough faith. Do you see what that would do to someone? How would they feel about church, about God, about who God is. And the ministry that John has is restoration in terms of people who are deaf 
learning about the God who really cares and doesn't see them as second rate. And I'll tell you what hospitality brings. It brings healing. Hospitality is a healing story because you're going to invite people into your life and at work and at home whose view of God has been so twisted and warped and tainted. They're saying, I don't worship that God. And you could almost say, I don't worship that God either. I don't worship a God who treats deaf people like they're second rate. That's not my God. That is a false God. And there's a lot of healing. And, and the most healing happens in the healthiest relationships. And when you bring hospitality, God brings healing. And healing through uh, truth and through love. And that's the beauty of God's ministry of hospitality. Inside your home, it might be the place where you spend the most time, maybe have the most intimate relationships, might be the most important place during the week. It's also the place that probably has the most potential, has the most potential in your life. And uh, we need to be countercultural. We really do. We need the Holy Spirit. Uh, a, a challenge here, well, maybe you're already feeling challenged. A challenge here is, you know, would you, as God leads you, have someone over to your house who's a stranger? Have someone over in need? Have someone over from a different nation. Would you welcome a missionary who is traveling and back on furlough? Would you have someone over who doesn't believe the same things as you, doesn't follow Jesus? Would you welcome up into your home and show a kindness and a love that's genuine and authentic? And the potential here is that uh, our souls will be healthy. And when our souls are healthy, our homes can be healthy. And when our homes are healthy, our church gets healthy. It's really hard to have a healthy church if the souls aren't healthy and the home's not healthy. And when those line up, wow. When those line up, wow. Then you bring a hospitality wherever you go, and God heals through your hospitality. Yo, subscribe to YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to this channel.